Now, Sports Talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. What is going on, everyone? Welcome on into Sports Talk with Broads. Tonight is a depressing night, and we can look at so many things that probably annoyed us. Rotations, not utilizing Shake Milton, going to Furcon Korkmaz, DeAndre Jordan starting again, whatever. The list goes on and on. Reality, though, is the Sixers aren't good enough without Joel Embiid. Before the series began, we discussed scenarios that could possibly be where the Sixers snag one in Miami. But how would that go? I know for a fact that we did not lay out there a possibility of them shooting, what, 17% from three like we saw in game one, and then you respond in game two, eight of 30 from three? In no way, shape, or form when we discussed maybe, maybe, Stealing one, going back to Philadelphia, 1-1 series lead. Would it be when you don't make your shots? And there's a huge snowball effect that happens when Embiid is no longer on the floor. We could talk about the way that Miami switches with Bam defensively when you're looking at a 1-5 situation. You could talk about the 30-plus points that you're missing per game, and then you already know they lack rebounding even with the big man involved with him out it's going to be even uglier even though game one was way worse and way uglier in that department turnovers and offensive rebounds while offensive rebounds definitely timely hurt you it wasn't the same level as game one not that it matters okay because game one was such a mess and it it was so awful and so pathetic But my point is pretty clear. When you're the opposing squad and Embiid is not available because he could barely even see. I saw this being thrown around social media. I guess this happened when I went to let my dog outside out back. I swear that always happens. Whenever I get the text from the fiance, hey, can you let the dogs out while I get ready for bed? I miss something that goes on. And I went back to Twitter afterwards. I saw Austin Krell, who covers the 76ers, tweet out that Chris Haynes reports in-game that yesterday Yesterday was the first time Embiid was able to use his phone due to the light that was created from the phone itself. Says the Sixers will evaluate Embiid upon the return to Philly and go from there. I mean, that's where we're at with Joel to the point where he can't even look at technology. He can't even look at his phone due to the light. I have no idea what to expect We'll find out more information, obviously, as time moves forward. But, uh, you know, look, the Sixers aren't good enough. The Sixers are not good enough. While I don't believe Miami's some stud basketball team, I think they're okay. I think they're a good team. They're not this elite team. They're not this outstanding, unbelievable basketball team. With the healthy Joel Embiid, I think the Sixers take care of business and win the series and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. So as much as I'll take shots at Miami for not being being as great as what an Eastern Conference Finals run would look like in theory from a broad sense. Once you look at the context, they're basically almost getting a buy involved in this second round, which is insanity. But they're deep enough and they're good enough to beat you when your heart and soul can't play. I love what Maxie's doing energy-wise and fight-wise. Tobias Harris, same thing. 
with James Harden. He wasn't putrid. He had spurts. You can pound the table that he's not taking over games and winning you a bunch of basketball games, but that's long and gone for me. That ship sailed for me while back when I realized what he was. He's not capable of doing it. So the team played hard, and you could hear it in Doc Rivers' tone after the game. It's a tough spot to be in if you're DeAndre, if you're Paul Reed. It's really hard. These guys are doing everything they can out there. Well, he's not wrong. That's what this is. It's your players doing everything they possibly can. So I hated seeing Furcon Cork Moss. I can't believe you don't give Shake Milton a chance. He might not be a, a, a great player, but he's way better than Furcon Cork Moss. And that's saying a lot because Shake has his downs. At one point, I saw a lineup on the floor. And I wrote it down just so I wouldn't forget. I had to point out how much of an abomination it was. Maxi, Corkmas, Matisse, Tobias, and Paul Reed. Matisse Thibel. You know, I disagree with that. He's like, oh, yeah, Matisse Thibel. I thought he did great. Matisse Thibel stunk. 21 minutes out there. What the hell did Matisse Thibel do? Seriously. Matisse Thibel is a waste of space right now. All because he took himself out of the series. But Niang, and, and how many minutes is he? fouling out of the game it's like we're pulling teeth trying to get him to make a damn shot Danny Green goes one for nine one for nine from deep so when your defense when you're you know strategically looking at the way you're going to play defensively without Joel Embiid and you look at the 76ers I mean come on there's clearly a domino effect from everything. Now the defense is clearly targeting Embiid. Now I'm watching three guys basically triple team Joe, uh, James Harden up at the top of the perimeter. He slides it to his right, and the Sixers take a three. It's a big brick. Who's going to win that way? What could they draw up? They're getting open looks. They're not hitting their shots. And there's definitely a correlation with how well they were doing shooting the three with the attention locked and loaded on the big man who can will you games and will you to victory multiple times in a series and give you 36 points and give you 30 points and give you 14 rebounds which the spacing on the floor changes because you're bringing double teams. We talked about how great the offense looks at times where there's ball movement around the perimeter. You swing the basketball. You find an open guy in Niang. You find an open guy in Danny Green. Those were references of great ball that we saw with the Sixers team. Well, we just can't not factor in the fact that Embiid would be on the low block. He would have their matchup where he wanted it. Here comes help defense. There's a double team coming through the baseline when his back is turned to the basket. So now when you kick out of the double team, look how much more space is there. Well, it's completely different at this point. There's no fear. There's no real fear. Is Maxi fast? Absolutely. But there was never a time where you thought, hold on a second, right? It would be a 10-point lead. Even when they snuck back into it with a tiny run of their own. It's a 10-point lead. Here's Tyler Hero making a shot on the other end and exploding off the bench. Jimmy obviously had his moments in there as well, just being an all-around player. But this isn't really a test for Miami. They should be doing this. What's happening is is realistically what should be happening. Now, you know, what, what they make six threes in game one? Maybe not to that level. But when Miami goes 
And the fans, the limited fans that are there in the building, make it loud as the Sixers call timeout and the broadcast is heading to commercials. I nod my head in recognition and unfortunately say, damn it, but this is really what makes the most sense. And it sucks the life out of you. I mean, if I'm being honest, and this is just the nature of where this game was, there were times where I was peeking over at the Phillies more than I was at the Sixers. Now, if you're new here, I'm not talking about not having the Sixers game on my big 70-inch, all right? It was on the big screen. But in terms of looking over to TV number two and, and turning up Tom McCarthy a little bit, well, that's how I felt watching that Sixers game today. It was like I was watching a pain, slow, horrific death in terms of Sixers basketball. I was watching them bleed through their body and losing all their blood as I was watching. And well, hold on a second, bros. When Embiid comes back, that could change the whole series. I don't know. Now I'm hearing that he can't even see light. I mean, we're going to expect this dude who was already playing with one thumb now has a, quote, mild concussion, which, is it even mild? And now he's wearing a Phantom of the Opera mask whenever he does return. Hey, bring us back down 2-0. Now, I mean, he's he's MVP caliber guy. If there are guys to do it, it's the ones that are at the top of the league. I know there's going to be hiccups. I know there's going to be turnovers that happen because the mask is bothering him. Turnovers that happen for a lack of playing. Matisse Thibel misses a bit of time. Look at how sink he looks. Embiid, I'm telling you, he's way better than Matisse Thibel. But there's a rhythm involved, and now he's off the floor during an entire playoff series and a playoff run where you're missing some time just in terms of running up and down and being in flow of the game. So he's got that. He's also got the thumb. So there's going to be turnovers. There's going to be issues we don't like. There's going to be some problems. You can't snap your fingers and just expect, all right, Embiid's back. We're golden. I would feel maybe a little bit better about that if you were capable of at least landing one when you touched the ground in South Philadelphia. But uh, realistically, I hated some of Doc's decisions. DeAndre Jordan did better. Uh, Hand claps to Paul Reed for not having 6,006 minutes. That went to George Niang. That accolade went to Niang today, who apparently is a, is banged up and fighting to, through some things, which makes a lot of sense. If you want to tie this to JT Realmuto last year, he was a mess, and we were really upset with him. Why were we? Because he wasn't capable of, of making plays happen at the plate as much as we would like, and turns out he was really hurt. Is Niang really hurt, or is it a combination between what he's dealing with discomfort-wise Plus the fact that this dude's slow as hell and these matchups are killing him in the half-court game and he's getting picked on. And then when he gets his wide-open looks, it's nothing but iron. Probably a combination of all of it, to be fair. It's just deflating because you were excited about maybe making an Eastern Conference Finals run and you got robbed of that moment and now uh, you're just waiting for it to be over. That's how I feel right now. And I'm not someone who gives up and says, they're done, it's over. None of that. Until there's four wins on the board. Until Miami wins it. Until the Sixers win it. Until whatever team we're talking about in their respected series has a four next to their column and they advance. I can't hide, though, the fact that I'm watching this team give everything they have shorthanded. And everything they have shorthanded seems like they're down double digits all game long. 
All right, when they went small, there was a little bit of a push. But that little bit of a push was just the nature of the flow of the game where the Sixers make a run. And then what happens? Hero ends up uh, turning it on and hitting the three. Someone's making their shot. There's an offensive rebound. There's an and one. You name it. Eventually, the Heat were going to respond. I like the idea of the small ball. I like the idea of spacing it out, maybe trying to maximize what James Harden does. If he can get to the hoop, if he can get to the rack. Was this an excellent James Harden game? No. It wasn't a game one James Harden game either. He doesn't have enough ink. We know that. So that's what we got. We got a moment of small ball that we liked, and then about however many other minutes of pain. And it's just as simple as that. Uh, 856-442-9805 if you would like to share your thoughts and your opinions on what we just saw. But I, I don't think it needs like a heavy dose of dissection with strategic and strategy and pin downs and this and that. Look, this is where we're at. The team is not capable of winning as currently constructed when you're down a man named Joel Embiid. And that's why when you see, and whatever, have fun with it, you cornballs out there of the Toronto Raptors fans that are rubbing it in our faces, that they're losing. Yeah, they're losing because they don't have a man who averaged the most points in the entire association this year and someone who's about to get robbed of winning the MVP of the league. If you can't tell what happens when Joel Embiid isn't there the team just completely falls apart what did you expect to happen what was in your brain when you saw that well the Sixers weren't with the arguably the MVP of the league what would happen if Seth Curry went down what would happen if Dallas didn't have uh, not Jokic um, Luka Doncic right? This was inevitable. As much as we convinced ourselves that maybe there was a way, and I was there. I was there. Maybe if Maxi explodes while Danny Green gives you four threes, Tobias plays downhill and does good catch and shoot like he has been. With with James Harden maybe having a night of 25 and 14, 25 and 12. If all of that happens on the same night, possibly 1 1. Instead, Danny Green's missing everything. George Niang is fa- is fouling out and looking pathetic. You got Tobias, who's been consistent. Maxi's been up and down. His highs have been extremely high. His lows have been, whoa, that's bad. And if we're talking about both sides of the court, you could point out one that stands out way more than the other in the positive. One, fantastic with the pace and the speed and the agility. The other makes you want to throw up. A lot to learn in that area. And speaking of just growth in general of Maxi, this doesn't really mean the world tonight as we're analyzing such a joke of a loss and just a Bad, bad, bad experience as Sixers fans. But I listened to his post-game presser, and he was talking about guys like Paul Reed and guys who were on the edge of the bench. And when Maxie's speaking to them, and due to Maxie's age being younger, but just due to the experience of where he's at in his career right now, just the way that he was delivering what he was saying to these guys and the message that he was relaying to them in terms of the mindset and the approach and what they should be doing out there. And even though the team's down 2-0, it ain't over. It's 
not a best of two here or it's not who wins two games first. It's winning a seven game series. And just talking about the professionalism and the way that he handles things mentally and just his approach as a young lad in this league that we know is going to continue to blossom and be someone that we're going to grow with for a long time here in this city. There is a little acknowledgement of a proud father moment, if you will, where I'm the proud father recognizing, all right, you know, my child is growing up and becoming a man. He's growing up from a young child to a man. For whatever that's worth, I'm sure it doesn't mean much to you out there. To all of you out there, excuse me. And before we get to the phones, uh, we have a new partner here, and it's one that we've been wanting for a long time now. Freestone Farm CBD. It's my favorite CBD brand because they farm it themselves with all organic inputs, and they offer only the highest quality genetics in their strains and extracts. I've tried a lot of different brands, but honestly, Freestone Farm CBD has been amazing for me. I personally like using it after workout to help help with regular post-workout feel, and I also like it before bed as I've personally been sleeping better at night. What's even more exciting, our friends at Freestone Farms just unveiled an all-new strain menu with some awesome CBD at really reasonable prices. Just check out their tropical-tasting Bayox that clocks in at 24.1% CBD. All of their premium hemp flour is grown on their Garden State Farm with all organic inputs and IPM. Absolutely nothing synthetic from farm to jar. On top of that, you can use promo code BRODES for 20% off at checkout on freestonefarmcbd.com. The link is down below in the description. Make sure you check that out. With that, we will head to the phone lines and talk to our good friend Amadeo, who's probably not feeling great tonight. How are you, Amadeo? You're right. I'm not feeling great <laughs> at all. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you in <laughs> sorrow. <laughs> it's just it's a gutted feeling. I feel like I've been robbed. I feel like we as a fan base have been robbed because of an elbow from Pascal Siakam that took Joel Embiid out of the beginning of the series. It, it just feels like that. It feels so gut-wrenching at all. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you where, you know, we had these expectations to make a push in the postseason, and now we don't even have the chance to play that out. Look, we'd be more heartbroken and more devastated if they gave us everything and they lose a hard-fought battle, sort of like with the Raptors a couple years ago. I mean, the way that I fell to my knees and I was so hurt when Kawhi Leonard made that shot, it would feel a lot worse, but I would at least take that any day of the week compared to this because I can at least sleep at night knowing that that team left everything out there with all of their health, and they just came up shy. But when it's like it is now, which is, yeah, they're giving you all you have, but Embiid's sitting at home, and he's not even on the floor. He's not available because when you're up 29, Siakam hits him with a mean elbow intentionally, in my opinion. Now we just don't even get to see what could have been. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it just feels like we've been robbed of seeing what it could have been. Because like you said, it's a different type of heartbreak when they're giving it their all. But then it's also like a different type of feeling when you know what maybe could have been if Joel Embiid is out there on the court. Like what could have been the difference if he's out there? I say the Sixers probably win at least one of these games in Miami if Joel Embiid is out there on the court. Maybe they win two of them because honestly, the Heat, uh, I don't think they played that good. It's just that the Sixers don't have enough. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I don't look at the Miami Heat and say, this team is just incredible. The way they play blows my mind with excellence. Oh, wow. This is scary stuff. This isn't scary stuff. Uh, do they win two? I don't know if I could say they win two. Maybe one of those poor shooting nights just happened because that's the nature of the beast and we're human beings and sometimes that does occur. So, uh, you know, let's say it's one and one. I can at least say they're winning one game in Miami if that's the case. And I think labeling it as being robbed as sports fans is a perfect example of where I'm at. Now, somebody's asking in the chat, who do I hate more? Do I hate Pascal Siakam more or Ben Simmons more? Oh, man, I I, I don't know. That's a tough one. I, I still despise Ben. Apparently, he's getting back surgery now. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Tonight is not the night. Tonight is not the night to bring any of that up when it is in regards to Mr. 2-5. So let's just head right back to Jimmy. What's going on, Jimmy? Well, man, what a shitty night. What a shitty night. A shitty of a night I can think of in a while. Yeah, it's I mean, bad. The Sixers, just, the Sixers just look outmatched right now. And, I mean, it's, I mean, well, of course they do. Of course they do. The, their MVP isn't out there. I don't know if you're really talking about the Phillies tonight, but, wow, that was pathetic in its own right. Yeah, the Phillies were disturbing, and I'll definitely touch on that at a later time. In regards to the Sixers, I I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. I feel like I've kind of put everything out there on the table, which is with the way that they are currently constructed, when they lose what they do, they run things. And I know James Harden is the primary ball handler, but essentially you base your entire brand of basketball off of one guy. He runs the floor when he grabs a defensive rebound. He plays someone of a point center. He has his back to the basket and he's facilitating when he gets doubled and he's anticipating that his IQ of the game gets guys open looks and that's evaporated. So what, what do we expect to go to? Uh, failure, I guess, when he's not out there. That's that, that's the only thing that you can really expect. I I figured that you know that it would be it'd be difficult to get one of these two. You just gotta hope and pray that he's that he's gonna be ready for Game Three because we don't have a shot without him. Take care, Broach. Have you have a good night. Appreciate it, Jimmy. Yeah, hope and pray that he's back for sure. I thought you were going to say, though, you have to hope and pray that they win a game in Miami. And what I was going to respond to that is, if you're telling me what you're doing to satisfy your needs instead of strategically being able to come up with basketball reasons on how you can win and you're settling for hoping and praying that you get it done, well, I think that's just giving you everything you need to know. That's the information being passed along by the basketball gods that it's not there don't do it don't do it to yourself don't emotionally connect do not provide what you think is possible by hoping and praying to the basketball gods that magic can happen if you're relying on magic to occur well then you are not going to accomplish the goal just admit it right from the jump Hoping and praying is not a way to win seven-game series. You know how you win seven-game series? Have the best superstar. Have the best talent. Well, you lost it. You lost that. 
And maybe it's just the natural feel of where I'm at right now. But I have no idea what to even anticipate from Joel with the current status that we got. Uh, apparently, Doc Rivers even mentioned some things about talking to him after the game. And he doesn't know where he's at in terms of the protocols and what steps he's on. And it didn't feel very promising. They didn't leave me tonight in a spot where I feel, all right, he'll be back game three ready to rock. It seems more concerning than it does the other, which is, oh, yeah, he'll be on the floor running up and down. Uh, we got $2 donation from Julio. The stream, love the stream, deserve more recognition. Thank you so much, Julio, for the $2 donation. I greatly appreciate your support. I think there was an earlier donation as well from my man, Nolan, who's always supporting. Yes, a $5 donation from Nolan. Hey, bro, it's been away for a while. Hope all is well with you. Pain is one word to describe tonight's game, in my opinion. I think that that is a fair word, a fair usage of a term to describe what Sixers fandom is like. And I am so sick. I'm so sick. I don't like heading into a night when I'm going through my errands and I'm doing things throughout the day, waiting for a playoff game, which is supposed to be a time that's filled with some nerves, some anxiousness, right? Your anxiety gets going, but it's a good anxiety. Even as a player, when I was playing in a big playoff game, one reference that comes to my mind instantly is my freshman year playing college hockey on the road. We played in the playoffs for a conference tournament against Hobart, who was ranked sixth in the country. We're, we're in their building. It's my first time experiencing that. I, I The nerves, my heart was pumping, but it was a good level of nerves. I'm ready for this, and I'm pumped up to play. But you get the jitters, you get the excitement, you get the adrenaline rush. Well, when you're a fan watching your team compete in the playoffs, that's what you're supposed to have. That same type of feeling is what you should have when you're hanging out with your boys, when you're hanging out with the family, if you're watching the game at Xfinity Live, grabbing a couple beers, maybe to try and calm yourself sometimes. Maybe you go a little hard booze, you grab the dark stuff, or you grab some vodka. You know, you go whatever route you do that makes you feel the most comfortable. But that's the way that we should be digesting sports at this time of the year when it's the greatest time ever and everything matters because it's so much more intense and the spotlights are on you and there's no escaping. The fact that I don't get that, I don't have the pacing in front of my TV the way that I should. When there's a commercial break, I run upstairs, I pet the dogs because I can't sit down, wait for the game to come back. There's three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It's a one-possession game. I mean, that's what this is all about. And instead, it's, eh, what's going on in the fifth inning over here? What's going on in the fifth inning between a Phillies-Rangers game? The Texas Rangers? Where I'm looking at Matt Moore on the mound? That's where I'm... That had more intrigue naturally because I saw a 16-point game. Oh, jeez. Second half. Every time the Sixers make a shot, the Heat have the answer. What is this? What is this? I'm saying to myself. What is this? Oh, man. It's horrible. It's so horrible. Maybe you guys can help me out out there. <sighs> Let's go to the phones. Hello, you are on the air. Welcome. What's up, bros? Listen, man, I got to get this, get this point on my chest and just say, I don't know if you ever seen the video with T-Mac and Shaq having an interview where T-Mac said how he averaged 30-plus points 
got the Magic to the eighth seed or whatever, got him to the playoffs, but he did not win the MVP over Duncan. He said if he wasn't on that team, the Magic would have no chance of making the playoffs. I think the same should be said about Joel Embiid. Because if Joel Embiid does not win that MVP, there needs to be an investigation. Or well, he's not. He's not winning. the. I mean, it is it is a known fact that Joel Embiid is not winning the MVP. I think there needs to be an investigation if he doesn't win the MVP. Because here's the thing. You put Joel Embiid off this team. This team has no chance of making it to even the, like get knocked out of the play. And I'm talking here. Joel Embiid deserves the MVP. I don't know if it's David Stern's beef with Allen Iverson that's the reason why the NBA hates us or the trust the process, but there needs to be an investigation because we deserve – I think Joel Embiid deserves that MVP. I, I don't dis- I, I, look, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your night to chime into the show and watch the stream. Thank you so much. I'm not disagreeing with you. I guess just like with James Harden, right? There's a common message that I portray to you all out there, and that's uh, you can scream that he's not giving you 34 points and walking this team to a victory and leading this team to a championship run, but I knew after I watched him for so long here that it's not going to happen. That is not James Harden. Well, I'm in the same boat with this whole Joel Embiid thing. It's not that I like that, and I don't like the fact that this is James Harden. Trust me, it pisses me off. But I got to draw a line here because I can't beg someone to be something they're not. And right now with the NBA, I'm pissed off about it, but I can't beg anyone to change. It's already in my body and in my brain. It is already stained where I'm at right now. It's stained in my body and it's already in my head that it's not Joel Embiid. It's not Joel Embiid. So once I am where I need to be and I draw that line, the line is drawn. And that's exactly how I kind of look at this Embiid MVP thing. And I guess I'm so disheartened from the fact that this is where we're at right now and this is how our season's going to end. That the recognition and the regular season accolade, it doesn't hurt me tonight. That's the last thing on my mind tonight. I got too many other thoughts and opinions rolling through my head. See, I'm seeing the chat talk about right now that Doc Rivers, or I saw it a little bit earlier when I was scrolling through the donations that came through. Doc Rivers is horrible. How do you go to Furcon? How come Shake Milton didn't play? You're not wrong by bringing up the poor decisions and the things that are awful. But when Danny Green goes one for nine, do you try something else? And I mean, would I rather rock and roll with a veteran who's been around the block and did it in big moments before taking that 10th three compared to a Furcon Corkmoss or Matisse Thibel, who is an absolute joke and a horrible basketball player, you know, getting more run. Why not try something new? I mean, at this point you can make the argument that trying something unique is better than running what you have been because you're just running yourself into the ground, knowing that those results are not going to get it done. We played too many minutes with those guys. So unless you want to continue down the same path, option two may be just as bad. It may be just as awkward. It may be just as pathetic, but we already know plan one wasn't efficient enough. So let's just throw other names out there. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't have done it with Shake Milton because even Shake Milton, who isn't saving you this game, he's not winning you this game. I would rather 
sleep at night knowing that Shake Milton got run over a Furcon Corkmoss any day of the week, no matter if he did have a razzle-dazzle type of move as he was going towards the basket. How about what he did on the other side towards the right side when they were shooting down at that end where he was just missing obnoxious shots? Oh, man, it's terrible. It's terrible. So DeAndre Jordan, all of it. I mean, we could run through the list. We really could. To me, Doc Rivers, no team wins. And let's look at the numbers exactly. What was it, 6 for 32? Sixers lose game one. Poor three-point shooting. 6 for 34, 17.6% from three. I don't know what NBA coach wins a basketball game when you shoot that poorly from three. And then again today, you know, you go 8 for 30 and Danny Green's going 1 for 9. Well, he could have drew up better looks. Well, come on now. Some of these shots are hittable shots. We're talking about NBA players. Make your damn shots. These first two games, I could acknowledge that Doc Rivers didn't do his best work. And I don't think he was the sharpest by any means. He was worse in game one than he was in game two. Just like some of the players, too. Some of the players worse in game one than in game two. It kind of goes one in the same here. You're not 0-2 because Doc Rivers was so bad. If Doc Rivers was great and magnificent somehow, which doesn't make sense because the players weren't making shots, and that's the number one issue here. It's not like Doc kept you from being 1-1 one one going back to Philadelphia. I don't think he kept you from that situation. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm a big fan. Both can be true. I'm not the biggest Doc Rivers fan in the world. I hate the way he treats us. He hates us. He despises this city. He does not enjoy coaching the Sixers due to the way that he gets a lot of pressure by the media attention and the fan base because we actually know what we're talking about. So he can't hide and pretend like we're dumb because majority of the things that we eventually bring up to him, he does anyway after his stubbornness does not work and it fails so poorly is when he then eventually turns the page to stuff that we have been calling for for a while now. So both can be true. He has a role in some of the poor play. But the reason why they're in the position that they're in right now is because Embiid is not playing. Let's take our next caller. Hello. You are on Broads Media. Hey, Broads. How you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. How are you? I'm all right. That was a tough loss, but I just want to address Harden real quick. And I'm not going to I'm not going to bash him because he's just not like that anymore. I'm I'm not going to I mean, yeah, I guess I am like most Sixers fans. I'm expecting him to drop 35, but he's not he's not that guy. And you just got to live with that, and it's a shame that Pascal Siakam had to down our boy even though it was just a common, you know, it happens. It's a basketball play. Yeah, I think he had I some did, intention I behind it. Was here, I think he had some a, intention behind a different it. Story. Yeah, no, of course. If, Embi- if, if Embiid's not here, I mean, excuse me, if Embiid is there, of course it's a different story. You're giving Pascal Siakam too much of a free pass for my liking. We talk about, well, why would the Doc have him in the game with 29 points? Why is Pascal Siakam throwing elbows to the eyeball of Joel Embiid down 29 with just a couple minutes to go? There was some intent to throw some emphasis in there, and that's why his orbital bone is fractured in the way that it is. So Pascal Siakam knew he put some extra oomph 
into it. And that's why we're sitting in the way that we are. So the Harden thing's going to get more fascinating as we transition into offseason moves. And you talk about big money and you talk about what could be and what directions you have here. I don't know if tonight's the night to really dive deep into it. And it's, I think there's going to be some context involved here. It's not going to be a simple one. It's all right. How does Daryl Morey operate here? Because I do feel that he does bring a lot to the table facilitation-wise. That's extremely valuable and extremely important to this team running half-court sets. And it's tough to talk about it now after two straight games without someone so powerful in your lineup. So you have such a recency bias towards you know the way that it is. But when Embiid's doing his thing and the combination of Harden's facilitation with Embiid's dominance, dominance is such a different tier the problem is you can't spend the amount of money it's going to cost to sign him here and to have him here throughout this run and expect the lack of scoring to be tied to that money too you're going to be handcuffing yourself too much where I'm sorry as much as I praise his stuff that he does outside of scoring and how important I think it is and Really, it's a difference-making style of offense professionally paced-wise compared to what we saw with Ben Simmons getting out into transition, and that's where he was excelling the most. But when things slowed down, he had no idea how to play the game whatsoever. When it comes to the big bucks and spending all the Benjamins, well, it's not going to be worth spending that type of cash, that type of dough, towards just a really great, solid, fundamental way of facilitating at a high level you need to have more than that and he doesn't provide that so I have no idea but we do know the relationship between the president of basketball operations and James Harden and when you make that trade I think you have the idea in mind that this is going to be something that they're going to tag team up with Embiid for a bit of time so like I said Maybe not for tonight. And that's a few things I've already mentioned. I don't know if tonight's tonight. I don't know if tonight's tonight. I don't know if tonight's tonight. That's because I'm just stuck in my raw emotions of disappointment, of being upset, sort of miserable. I barely got into the game tonight. Barely. It was there. It was on. When commercials came back, I'm scrolling through TikTok. I go through an extra three scrolls before I turn off the app. If that was a one-possession game in the third quarter, you think that's ever the case? I'm scrolling before or two commercials before you even get back to the broadcast. I'm ready for my eyes to be glued. I'm ready to be all in again. You're telling me I'm going three TikTok scrolls during play? Oof. Oof. I just tell you how it is. That's really where we're at. Uh, We have, it looks like, I don't know who this is, but clearly not a Sixers fan. Maybe I'm wrong here, but it says here, you guys, once you go, you guys, I, I feel you're out of the fan base speaking to the fan base. You guys are talking like the Heat are good. No, we're not. I think I made that very clear from the start of this thing. I'm not talking about the Heat being good at all. I actually stated, well, good. I think they're good. Let's rephrase things and start things over again. I think they're a good team. They're not great. They're not special. They're not amazing. They're a good basketball team, for sure. I think good is a fine label and a fine description on what the Miami Heat are. 
We're not talking about them blowing the Sixers out because of their excellence. The Sixers lost their best player. And they're just playing as hard as humanly possible while missing some open looks and not having all the confidence in the world. So when you combine all those three together, which is playing shorthanded, losing the MVP of the league, and I will still, still continue to label him the MVP of the league, even if he does get robbed, the MVP of the league. When you lose that, you don't have as much confidence. You're out there battling as hard as humanly possible without enough talent to really do this. Their bench, they're just not deep enough. You talk about the difference in depth. Matisse Thibel, Furkan Korkmaz. This is not NBA playoff basketball. Not only can you barely survive with them playing a couple of minutes in a two-minute span just to try and grab somebody a breather. Think about logging them in 15, 20, 22. Paul Reed doesn't even play a lick, a lick in the NBA regular season. Barely any. Now, is that his fault or Doc Rivers? You can look at Doc and say, all right, this is why when you don't play certain guys through the regular season, this is when it comes back to bite you. Because now when you're desperate, not that if Paul Reed played more time in regular season, this series plays out any differently without Joel. That's not what I'm claiming. But you would get better Paul Reed than what you have gotten if over time and over a couple seats, there's just more involved over this kid growing and getting experience instead of, hey, he's cold as hell and he has no idea how to play. He's jumping on all pump fakes. He's jumping at literally everything that goes his way and he's picking up an obnoxious amount of fouls. Maybe you could grow these players players into some sort of minor role where they could just be better than what they are. That's all I'm saying. Just be better than what they are if you actually gave a, a, a damn about letting these players actually grow throughout regular season time. I don't have an issue with wanting to rely more on experience than young players. You got to find a good balance just like with anything in life. Find a good balance of letting your veteran guys go and being a more key piece to what you believe in and your concepts, but you can't just throw all the young ones to the side and act as if they don't matter whatsoever because at some point you're going to be desperate and need their number called and who knows what they could maybe be, even if it's one-tenth better. One-tenth better matters to me. And if one-tenth better over uh, two months and then one-tenth better over the next three months and then one-tenth over time, these players grow. And obviously one-tenth is super tiny, but you understand what I'm trying to get at here. Find your mix. I like experience more than young players too in anything. In any job, in any occupation, I would trust a doctor, a doctor, I don't know why I said it like that. I was going to say heart surgeon and I mixed that and combined that with doctor. If, If I need a heart transplant I want to go to the guy that's done it 25 years over the guy that it's his second day on the job doesn't mean the guy who's second day on the job can't do it I want the experience that's not a horrific mindset at all when your option is DeAndre Jordan and he sucks though if I have a doctor who's been doing it for 25 years but every fourth heart he accidentally cuts the wrong pieces in you and he can't put it back together well, I don't want that. That's DeAndre Jordan. I don't want that. At some point, the experience is what it is. But if you're bad at your job, the experience, all right, well, this guy's 70 now. So at 70, he doesn't have the same skill as he did at 28 working on those hearts. I got way too sucked into the heart, the, the, the heart relationship here. But that's where I'm at with this guy. 
We got a text message coming into the Anytime Hotline right now. This individual did not leave a name. Oh, yes, they did. This is Jonathan. I apologize, Jonathan. Thank you for the text message. On a scale of 0 to 10, with 10 being the highest, how worried are you if... Oh, I'm sorry. This is... What? Oh, this was while the game was happening. Sorry, I did not see the time frame on here. Well, I'll answer your question now, Jonathan. Jonathan was going to ask, how worried would I be if the if the Miami Heat won game two? Not good. 10 being the highest of worry? Well, now we're sitting here right now. This is us experiencing that moment. I feel it's over. Even if the guy does return, I feel it's over. It's a very difficult task at this point. Extremely difficult. I would love to be wrong. Thrilled to be wrong. Stoked to be wrong. Flip Broads the double bird. I'm here for it. I'd embrace every moment of it. But I don't see it happening. So 10, right? If not even more. Can we overstep this, Jonathan? Can we get to 12? Can we get to 11? I said it earlier. I normally don't rule out a team until it's all said and done. And even... This may sound crazy, but if Embiid played and they were down 0-2 and he was healthy and they were hard-fought battles and it was tough and they were returning to Philadelphia after losing two hard-fought games that stung and it was tough to swallow and we were staying up at night looking at the ceiling in such trauma because we couldn't believe losing healthy, I would still feel better about where they're at. But when one guy is so defeated... With so many different injuries, there's only so much I can expect. Will he prove me wrong? I hope so. If there was one man to do it, it would be Embiid. And I think he's going to do everything in his power to return. But this is such a far climb. It's such an extreme uphill battle. That at some point, I just got to be realistic with it and say, the task may be too tough at this point. So just keep playing, keep going out there, keep fighting as hard as you possibly can. I'm not mad at anybody's work ethic, right? I'm not mad at anybody's uh, mentality on how they're competing. Okay, they're losing offensive rebounds. This guy can't do that. He can't He can't jump anymore. DeAndre Jordan can't jump. It's not for a lack of not wanting to or not trying. He's not good anymore. These guys... Maxi in game one, Maxi in game two. They're, he's flying around. Tobias, he's making tough shots early on, some really tough jumpers where I'm just thinking to myself, Damn, what happened to this guy? Because he's playing ridiculous. Then in the second half, he had that burst. He finished with the over. Hallelujah. I took Tobias Harris over 19 and a half points. So got that, cashed that in. I also looked at James Harden over two and a half threes. That wasn't even close. I just anticipated maybe after the noise of what he he needed to do once the first game played out so negatively in his way and there was so much noise and controversy about what he didn't do maybe there would be a little sense of urgency to prove some people wrong and I figured he's not going to be afraid to take them he still takes the threes there's just at times bad just like I'm watching shot clock violations all right, when I'm watching shot clock violations start the way that they do in much-needed moments, alrighty then. Hey, this is probably going to go south, even more south than we've already witnessed. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, 
man. That was what was playing in my brain. All right, everyone. That's where we're going to end the show here tonight. I want to thank you all for hanging out with me here in the live stream. If you are new to the channel, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button, hitting that thumbs up button too. If you're looking to buy tickets to go to any event out there, you can utilize the promo code BRODES at SeatGeek's checkout page. If you are a first-time user on SeatGeek, it's a no-brainer. That eliminates your fees. It eliminates all those fees when you buy your tickets. That can go to parking. That can go to beer or food. So, no no-brainer. Promo code BROAD, SeatGeek's checkout. Lastly, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Broads Media. Make sure you're following on your social media platforms. Thank you guys so much, and I will see you next time.